Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. I already am a cool mom. Just mm. ask my son. Life 107.1. Her name was Emily. She was in eighth grade and I was in seventh grade when I moved into the neighborhood in Morgan Circle in Pennsylvania where I grew up. And uh, she was a year above me in school. I looked up to her. I thought she was really cool. So we started kind of hanging out together a little bit, but I noticed right away, you you noticed it right away when you looked at Emily, that she had a big scar on her face. Mm. And it went from the bottom of her nose and it kind of pulled her nostril over a little bit towards her cheek. And then it went all the way up to her ear. Now, she was a very pretty girl, and after a while, after you'd spent a lot of time with Emily, you didn't see it anymore. So, But we were new to each other. But you know you don't ask. No, no, no. (laughs) Of course you don't. What happened to your face? Yeah, you you don't ask. So I asked my mom, and my mom said, wisely, you know what? I don't really know the entire story. Why don't you go ahead and ask Emily? Nicely. You know? Okay. So the next time I saw Emily, she told me the story. She and her dad, when she was very young, were flying in a little private plane. Her dad was the pilot and it crashed Mm. and they both walked away. But Emily had a scar on her face from getting a laceration and her dad had a limp. So when you would see Merle and Emily together, Emily and her dad, who she's very close to still is, you would see him limping and she had the scar, Mm. but they both walked away. And she's like, my dad protected me that day. He knew exactly how to land that plane in a way that we knew he would get hurt, but he also saved us. Wow. And yeah, sometimes when I looked at Emily, the scar wasn't there because she was just my friend. But sometimes I would look at that scar and I would think about what Merle, her dad, had done for her. And I thought it was the most beautiful thing in the world. There is an app to help you get over things. Literally, there is an app for that. We were reading about this. Specifically, this one's supposed to help you with your fear of like spiders and bugs. There's one person in this room that's afraid of spiders, and it's not me. I I, I, I don't do spiders well. Know, like if, wow. if I see a picture of a spider on a page, I can't touch the picture. <laughs> I need to like ignore it and then turn the page. Our friend Donna just told us that she was painting and saw a spider, put the paintbrush down, got in her car and left yeah, because she saw a spider. That's the correct response. Well done. She she could also download this app that I was reading about. Oh. Um, now it has 1.3 stars out in of- the Google Play Store out of five. <laughs> Uh, so people, I bet you that was all written by people who are afraid of spiders. People are not wild about it, but apparently what you do, it's like it hooks into the camera on your phone so you can take a video of like your own hand and then it adds into the video a spider that's crawling on your hand. It superimposes a virtual spider onto your own hand. And so the thought is it's like exposure therapy. Like you sit there and you're watching a spider on your hand, but you don't feel the spider on your hand, so it's not as scary. Um, But apparently, I was just reading through the reviews, one thing that people don't like about it is that at one point the spider jumps up at your phone and then the app pauses and asks you to donate money so that you can (laughs) have the full version and get over your fear of spiders. 
Thank goodness you have friends. I know. You have so many people who love you. They know how afraid you are of spiders that people like our sweet friend Liz will call and tell you how to get rid of them. If you get the aerosol hairspray, so the hairspray that's in a can, mm-hmm. and spray a spider, it will stun it long enough that you can smash it. So it's a it's a two step method there. Stun and smash. Yeah, the stun and smash. It's like the best trick. Is it more or less effective against hairy spiders? <laughs> I mean, I use it on some pretty I don't know some pretty nasty looking spiders in my okay. house. So well, I mean, at yeah. least they look good when you smash them <laughs> and smell good too. Yeah, if you get good smelling hairspray. Uh, you know, it makes sense because the way that I used hairspray in the 80s. That was pretty stunning. (laughs) I don't know why we do this. Well, you know, here's the thing. Every superhero has an origin story, and I sit across from Mr. Scaredy Pants. I'm scaredy. Mr. Scaredy Pants. Every single morning. So we found out that his origin story had to do with him being a four-year-old and a spider in his shoe. You know, everybody has a reason why they're afraid of something. Yeah, what are, what are you afraid of, Paul? I am terrified of one grasshopper. You're terrified of one grasshopper? Just like one in particular? He's probably going to die soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just Unless one. it's Hopper from A Bug's Life. He was a terrifying grasshopper. I could walk through a field of grasshoppers. It's just when there's one. It's just when there's one. Okay, Paul, that's a little strange. I don't think I understand that. <laughs> What, what, why is one scarier than, yeah, like, a thousand? than a horde. Because I was attacked by one grasshopper when I was a child. Oh! There it is. I mean, wait, wait. What do you mean you were attacked? Did he just jump on you? I, it kept attacking me, attacking me, attacking me. <laughs> I'm sorry you went through that. So, you are a human child, what, maybe 40, 50 pounds, and you were being attacked by one grasshopper. Yes. I'm very sorry to hear that. <laughs> Thank, thanks for opening your heart to us, Paul. <laughs> so now we have two songs here on Life 107.1 that are about scars. Mm-hmm. In specific, there is the beautiful one called Scars by I Am They that I loved. And now there's a new one by Casting Crowns called Scars in Heaven. And, you know, scars indicate that there had to have been healing from something that happened, something bad. I think it's really cool as we have been able to look at our scars and recognize that there's beauty in them because they can be a memory of God stepping in. My scar happened about 20 years ago. I actually lost the tips of two of my fingers. Ooh, how? In a car accident. Mm. Oh, wow. But I thank God for these scars because every time I look down at them, it reminds me that my girls are still alive Mm. because they both were thrown from the vehicle. Oh, Oh, wow. But they're alive. They're well. They've given me grandchildren. Mm. And so I thank God every day. Wow. That's cool. That's amazing. Yeah. You've got that reminder to look down at all the time. Yep. That God is good. You are using your microwave wrong, but it's not us telling you this. It's science. Science! Science says you're getting it wrong. Yeah, science says that when you put your food in the microwave, and you probably do what I do, right? You put it in there, and you put it right dead center in the middle of that glass yeah. dish that's so in there. It spins around perfectly. Exactly. That's not how you're supposed to do it. Nope. When you put something in the microwave, did you know that you are supposed to put it on the edge 
of the glass dish. So it will go around and around and around on the edge and it will heat up evenly that way. Did you know I, I learned this on Friday <laughs> over the weekend? I heated something up in the microwave. Oh, you tried this? No, because I was like, this feels wrong. Oh, I'm, I'm going to put it in the middle. I'm going to do it the wrong way anyway. Oh, my goodness. That's hilarious. And that's not it. That's not no. all. There's other things that we are not doing. Did you know that when you heat two things in the microwave, you should put the second thing elevated like you should put like a microwave safe cup or something in there and elevate that second thing of food so that they are in two different They're like staggered and yes. they can rotate around each other. And that will heat them up better. I shouldn't need an engineering degree to use my microwave. That's not why they were invented. So microwaves are supposed to make things convenient and uh-huh. they do sometimes. But sometimes when you use them wrong, they also make things really, really messy. Right, Sarah? When I was younger, I did not understand the whole, like, you know, chicken, egg thing. I just thought chicken lays an egg. If it stays warm long enough, it turns into a chick. (laughs) Okay. So one day I decided, well, maybe I could take one of these eggs in the refrigerator and warm it up in the microwave, get it warm, and then we could let it, you know, grow into a chicken. So I took an egg. And I put the whole egg into the microwave. <laughs> Needless to say, there was an explosion. And it wasn't a chickens. No chickens. No chickens. <laughs> Only a very messy and loud explosion. It can save your life. I mean, for me with two teenagers, it is so nice to have microwavable meals oh, yeah. and snacks when they want something hot. I love that microwave. But sometimes, sometimes that microwave is the source of some great stories. When microwaves became like really popular in homes in like the mid 70s, I remember when we got our first microwave mm-hmm. and my dad could not wait to put a hot dog in it. Oh, yeah. He's just like, this is going to be the most amazing technology. I mean, he's, he was probably my age now, so imagine, you know, like growing up with mm-hmm. no kitchen technology. Yeah, and exactly. all of a sudden, you've got this microwave that can, like, do the job of boiling in 30 seconds. And he just sat there and microwaved hot dog after hot dog after hot dog after hot dog after hot dog. And every time he opened the door, he went, Wow. <laughs> of all the things to, to be so excited to put in a microwave. <laughs> Finally. We had two packages of microwaved hot dogs and nobody wanted to eat them. But. We're talking about scars and they always have a story behind them. Sometimes it can be a silly story. But sometimes that story is beautiful. In 1985, that was quite a few years ago, um, I was uh, racing the uh, San Francisco Police Department, and I lost that day. Mm. Oh. I hit six parked cars doing about 100 in a 63 Impala, and I gashed my face open pretty good, and so did my my co-pilot, but the officer that got us out was so apologetic that he said, my goodness, come on, come on, I'm so sorry, let me get you and sit you on the curb right here, and you're safe, and he went to get my buddy out of the car and brought him over and set him on the curb, and this, again, was 1985, and in 2005, I was sitting at a church on Easter, and 
I'm sitting next to a guy, and I tell him how blessed I am. And he says, I know, Frank. I said, no, you don't understand, man. I did this. I did that. I hit six park cars doing 100 in 1985. And he goes, Frank, I was the officer that pulled you out of the car. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. blown away. Right now, the hair is standing up on the back of my neck. He says, Frank, I've been praying for you for 20 years. He said, I'm so glad you finally got it together. I was blown away. Oh, my goodness. Only God could orchestrate something that beautiful in my life, and I'm so grateful to be where I'm at today. Hey, Jen. Hey, Taylor. Do you want to be a cool mom? Want to be? Yeah. I already am a cool mom. Just mm. ask my son. Not my daughter. She'll just roll her eyes at you. But Well. Yeah. I'm a cool mom. Okay. So maybe maybe you don't need to hear this, but oh. if, if someone is wanting to be a cool mom, oh. did you know science has a solution? Science! Science! The science of being a cool mom. According to this website that I found. Okay. Goodnewsnetwork.org. <laughs> That this, sounds very scientific. It was a, a study done with Sunset. I don't know what Sunset does, except but, for study cool moms. <laughs> There's a place called Sunset. I, yeah. Okay. Uh, so they they surveyed a bunch of kiddos and asked them, like, okay, what are the things that make your mom uncool? <laughs> Uncool? So these are the things to avoid if you want to be a cool mom. Okay, okay. Oh, I don't the know if I want to do this. I don't know if I do. Three offenses. Uh, these are these are things that uncool moms do. Mm-hmm. So you probably don't do these, Jen, All since right. you're a cool mom. <laughs> All right, buckle in, ladies. Uh, number one, using their home nickname in front of their friends. Oh. <laughs> so that's you do that. Um. Maybe a little feel, bit. I'm feeling a little bit Sometimes. seen right now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, well, maybe you don't do number two. Okay. Uh, shouting their name at a sports game or other event. I'm sorry. I well, think I've heard you shout Ben's name on the radio before. How else would he know if I'm not there or okay. there? Okay. That's, I that's, have to yell his name. That's two strikes, but you're not out until you uh, until oh, you do the third strike. Oh, no. Uh, the last one is dancing in public. All right. It's official. I'm an uncool mom. Who knew that using your their childhood nickname in front of others, yelling mm-hmm. at them from the stands, and dancing in public, who knew that's what it took to be an uncool mom? All of a sudden, <laughs> science says, yeah, if you do those three things, your kiddos do not think you're cool. Are you an uncool mom, Margot? I am probably one of the most uncool moms. Really? In my kids' eyes. In yeah. my kids' eyes. In my eyes, I am I am way cool. Like, I can make them laugh. I make their friends laugh. Yeah. I, they, I'm cool. I tell them how cool I am, and oh. they, when I call my son Bubby or my daughter Stinky, um, they get a little, that's a little too much for them. When my son's up to bat or marching in the band or my daughter's on stage, yeah, they're, I, it's a little much for them. So okay. I'm three for three on your uncool mom list. I'm going to admit something. Okay. I used to really, really want to be a cool mom. Mm. I wanted to be that mom that, all the other kids would look at my kids and be like, wow, your mom is so cool. Wish I had your mom. Yeah. But apparently that ship has sailed because according to children, I am 0 for 3. Yeah. You call your kids by their home nickname. Mm-hmm. You shout out their name at sporting events. Mm-hmm. And you dance in public. I sure do. So we want to know, 
Just how uncool of a mom are you? My kiddo, my middle son, plays tennis, and so it's a quiet sport, and you don't do a lot of yelling and all mm. that. And I, so I didn't know that I was the mom who would yell his name and wave at him from the sidelines play the track. <laughs> and he's out there in the middle of the track field, and I'm from the stands. I'm like, oh, Felicia, I'm waving. I'm yelling his name. My husband's like, he's not even facing you. He can't even see you. And I'm like, he's so cute out there, you know, and my husband's just like shaking his head. And I dance in public. Oh, I yeah. totally dance in right. public. And I feel like the older I get, my moves definitely are mom moves. And I oh. used to think I could dance. But yeah, yeah. not so much. <laughs> not so much anymore. In my head, I'm moving one way, but then I'm looking at myself and I'm not moving that way at all. So <laughs> I just don't know. You can admit it. Mm-hmm. This is the place for it. Are you an uncool mom, Kaylee? I am most definitely an mm. uncool mom. Sorry this is it. a safe place then. Yeah. Tell us how uncool <laughs> are you? Well, I'm adding another category because oh. I try to stay hip with the terms. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So the so and hit your elbow or whatever. I have no idea what that means. That's that, a thing? That's a thing? Yes, it is. Oh, say, wow. So we and you hit your elbow. <laughs> Yep, like with your fingers, and then my daughter was talking about swag, and I was like, oh, yeah, the stuff you buy at a concert. No. No. Oh, it doesn't mean that anymore? anymore. Nope, it means that it's cool. I heard a kid the other day, he kept using the word fire, but he he wasn't using it the way that you normally would use the word fire, so I think that might be also a new hip word. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's totally swaggy, my guy. (laughs) You know what? You you sounded so cool when you said that. (laughs) I know. That's what I think. My daughter disagrees. I pictured you wearing a baseball hat backwards when you said that. That's how cool it sounded. You know, I think wisdom is learning from your mistakes. Yeah. One of the things that I have learned is that there are some really easy things to do in life. Mm -hmm. Things that are really easy. Like, for example, you know what's really easy to do? What? Sit on my phone and scroll through Facebook and social media. 100%. Isn't that easy? It's so easy. And I can take that phone out of my purse or my pocket pretty much whenever I have, you know, like 17 seconds to spare. There it is. And I'm constantly entertained by looking at other people's lives. And as we were listening to Dr. Heidi talking about how we can be observers of just kind of looking at our phones Mm -hmm. all all the time and that ends up not being as good for our mental health. I was like, that's not necessarily just advice that's good for teenagers. I need to hear that a lot because I've learned sometimes the easiest things in the world for me are not the best things for my mental health. I know what you mean. You know, I've been recognizing that getting out and doing things, um, being active, Mm -hmm. hiking, biking, walking, volunteering, Mm Those are the things that seem to be better for my mental health. I'm less anxious. I'm less centered on myself and I'm more connected. And I mean, even things like it's easier to get fast food from the drive through than it is to make myself a nice, healthy meal at home. Very true. It's easier to stay up late watching that movie rather than getting enough sleep. Mm-hmm. And I think all the things we do to maintain our health that involve a little bit of extra effort in the moment are hard, which let me tell you, I've been there when I am depressed and it's hard to get rolling and doing anything at all. And so I have to remind myself in my brain, getting up and doing this thing, taking a shower, going to the gym, doing simple stuff like that eventually is going to get me out where sometimes the easiest thing to do is just going to dig that hole deeper. Mm -hmm. You've heard that phrase, no man is an island. Mm -hmm. 
We are not. As much as we live in an individualized culture and everybody's got to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and take care of themselves, I do believe in individualism. I do not believe that the things that we do only affect us. No, we're all interconnected, especially mm-hmm. as we get within our families. The yes. things that we do that aren't great for us end up not being great for our families. When we were having this discussion yesterday amongst friends here at the station, we were talking about you know the effects of us being on our phones and being on social media too much and how it affects our mental health. And then somebody made the very wise observation that, you know, when I'm on my phone too much, it affects my husband or Mm -hmm. it affects my children. And I, wow, once she said that, I spent a good portion of last night thinking about how when I'm on my social media too much, it does start affecting Piper and Ben Mm -hmm. because I disconnect. I get discontent Mm -hmm. with life, which makes me act out a little bit. And that affects those who are closest to me, which are my two children. So it affects their mental health when I get unhealthy. But it also affects my friends here at Life 107.1. You know, this is, I don't know, it's important. It is. For us to recognize. And, And listen, please hear us. We're not telling you to, to, to put down your phone forever. We're not telling you to get off of all social media. Now, maybe the Holy Spirit is telling you that. Yep. That's not what we're no, telling No, no. We, we recognize that it's a tool and some people can use it in different ways. Yeah. Uh, but for us, we've realized that even if I was just saying, you know what, I'm willing to bear the brunt of all that pain and suffering because I'd rather be on Facebook. It's not just me that's suffering. You can learn a lot about people when snacks show up in the office. Oh, yes, you can. I mean, it was like a personality test when our friend Luann brought in a box of donuts. And I realized we had just a bunch of different personality traits going on. Like Luann was the person who brought in the treats, sent out an email to the entire office in all caps saying there's donuts. But I don't think I ever saw her eat one. No, yeah, yeah. There's so there's the the provider, but not consumer. <laughs> the provider. She's now, like the Italian mother. Eat, eat, and then she just sits over in the corner yeah. and drinks tea. I learned I'm the guy who just shows up in the kitchen and sees a box of donuts on the table and assumes this is probably for everybody. <laughs> I hadn't seen the email from Luann, so I just grabbed one. <gasps> you just. Took it? You didn't check to see? What are these donuts for? I mean, like, I figured someone's not like, no, that's my lunch. I, I want 12 <laughs> donuts for lunch. I don't think Bruce even acknowledged they existed. No, he does th- that. He, he's very healthy that way. He pretends like any of the snacks that come into the kitchen, he pretends like they're not there. And then, In fact, of all of us, have you noticed that Bruce rarely goes into the kitchen? I don't, I don't think he's ever been to the kitchen. I think I live in the kitchen. Does he know where the kitchen is? <laughs> and that tells you about our office. And then who threw them away? That was you. I did! There were uneaten, stale donuts, and Jen threw them away. I did, because number one, they were stale, and number two, they were tempting me. (laughs) There's a lot of things in the world that reveal Mm. parts of your characteristics, the deep down hidden ones. One of them is when somebody brings a snack or a box of snacks to the office kitchen for consumption, It brings out your personality. So we just want to learn more about you. What is your office snack personality? I'm the bringer. Oh, you're our Luann. And what's wonderful is that I get credit when other people bring them. (laughs) 
<laughs> You've got a reputation now. Yeah, and there's one person in our office that I could even be on the phone or I'm talking to somebody and he runs by and goes, thanks for the snacks. And I'm thinking, I don't want to lose eye contact with who I'm talking to, but I'm thinking, hey, Carrie brought those. <laughs> no, seriously, think about it. Okay, when snacks show up in your office break room or the teacher's lounge or even your kitchen table, those snacks bring out different personalities. And we just want to know, what is your office snack personality? I'm the baker man. I bake banana bread Mm. and then I bring it out to the front area because we deliver a lot of car parts. You know, so I enjoy myself. If I want a piece or two, I'm going to get it. There's always plenty. You can see some different personalities when the snacks come, you know? Yeah, Yeah. what do you see, Frank? Well, one of my bosses kind of said, hey, could you stop bringing donuts? And (laughs) I called the donut police. It it was bad. (laughs) Why did your boss want you to stop bringing donuts? He says he's gaining weight. Oh! You can't prove those are connected. (laughs) No, that's what I'm saying. That's just circumstantial. So I backed off a little bit, you know? Instead of bringing two or three dozen, I just brought one. (laughs) That's good. That's much healthier. You're so kind. You know what? They are scars. You probably have at least one. Maybe it's something silly like I've got one on my finger from opening a can of cat food wrong. I have one on my elbow from when I dove to catch a ball in dodgeball. Yeah. Okay. So there's those scars. And then there are those scars that have a beautiful story. My mom and I were in an accident, and once we stopped, I saw this big branch coming like it was falling, but it was coming as almost like a swing. Mm. And my natural instinct has always been a protector. And so I put my right arm over her to guard her face. Mm. Otherwise, that was going to hit her face. And I still have this circular scar. It's about the size of... Not quite the size of a 50-cent piece. It mm. pretty much almost penetrated and my arm went through. Ooh. And <clears throat> not going to get misty. When she passed away, she always called me Rosebud. Mm. And I put a rosebud on top of it so it looks like a rose on top of a plant. Mm. Oh. And then underneath the scar, I put, I miss you. And so when people see the scar, they kind of look and they'll ask and then I'll tell them the story because that's a memory that I have. I never regretted doing that for her. She was my best friend. The Taylor and Jen podcast is a product of Northwestern Media, a ministry of the University of Northwestern St. Paul. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.